SOS Radio On Demand. It changed my heart. On Demand. It changes your life. Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. So if your heart's telling you your marriage is over, but part of you isn't really sure, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Tony Newhoff today at SOS Radio. She's a family law attorney in Canada. and For years, Tony, you were actually a divorce attorney. You have seen it all, haven't you? Oh, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen more than I want to see, actually. I think most divorce attorneys would tell you that. You see people when they're really struggling and, you know, for good reason, my heart goes out to anyone who's going through a divorce or has been through a divorce. I don't say those things lightly. I know that it's a terribly difficult time for everyone involved. Yeah. So when couples are struggling and they're at the risk of splitting up, a lot of times they just see the immediate future and where they're feeling right now and the problems are in front of them. But it's rare that couples really see the long-term effects of the decisions they're making today to solve an individual problem at the expense of like, this is affecting my family. It's affecting our friendships. It's affecting our kids. And it's affecting my soul in some ways. I know what it's like to be in that place in your marriage where the struggle is deep and it feels so confusing. It's hard to imagine the future because in the midst of that deep, dark struggle, you wonder, did I just sign up for a lifetime of misery? Like, is this my life? But then on the other hand, looking at the reality of of splitting and moving on, you know, because you've probably seen it or maybe experienced it even as a child with your parents, that there are so many implications and it's hard to work out what happens financially, what happens with, if you have kids, you know, what happens with parenting between two parents and then does someone have to relocate? And, you know, there's all kinds of issues that need to be worked out. So it's hard. It almost looks like when you move in either direction, it's damage control. Do you feel like you sort of trade one source of pain for another, though, when you go through that? For some of the people who I've walked along the course of divorce with, yes, that was how they felt at the end of the day. I think they went into it thinking that at least the problems of my marriage will be packed up in a box and we can put it away. But the thing was, it wasn't just the box of mess that you put aside, it's there's another box, a different box with a different set of problems that shows up. And I think people aren't necessarily expecting that because like I said, it's so hard to look toward the future when there's a lot of pain in the relationship. But at the end of the day, I had some people who were shocked by the gap between what they were expecting and then what they actually experienced and didn't necessarily feel like it was an upgrade. We're talking about finding what you really want for the future of your marriage with Tony Newhoff today at Swiss Radio, and she's a family law attorney and author. And Tony, it's interesting. You wrote a book called Before You Split. You've walked with so many couples on both sides of all of this. And one of the best advices that we have when we're going through challenge in our marriage is to say, what can we work through and what can't we? What have you learned, Tony? I've had clients come back to me at the end of the day, if they've decided to go forward with a divorce and really resist digging in and working on the, let's say their parents co-parenting relationship that they need to deal with. And what I've seen is that couples 
who are really struggling and then decide to take the step toward divorce, if they're parents, they still need to have this co-parenting relationship to make things work out for their kids. Because the reality is that your kids need both of you. And when we've gotten to the point where they're reaching an impasse on working out the issues related to their kids, and they're either going to have to go to litigation or they're going to have to do something else to try to make it work out. And what me and often the counsel on the other side would be saying is, you really need to go to counseling to work out your relationship issues so that you can be effective as co-parents. And people really resist that in many cases. Some some people didn't. Some people went ahead and they they took the advice and they found that it really helped. But other people felt that, well, this was a relationship that I'm walking away from. And the the pain is now supposed to be in the past. And I left this relationship because I don't want to keep dealing with it. And now you're telling me that you want me to go to a counselor so that we can work on this relationship. I think that becomes very eye-opening. What have you learned about the spiritual side of marriage? I mean, as you've seen so much pain and so much heartache, and we all want to find some sort of healing in our life. There's the emotional side, there's the social side, and then there's the spiritual side. What I think that I've seen is that almost every couple that's really struggling feels sincerely that it's mainly their partner's fault that they're in such a tough place. And they might say, well, okay, I'm not perfect. You know, I know that I bring a weakness into this relationship, but if he would only stop doing this or she would only stop doing that, then our marriage would be so much better. And it's almost universal. The problem is that underneath that belief that it's mainly my spouse's fault is that there's probably a victim story going on in the background. And that's a Genesis issue, right? That goes right back to the the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve and the serpent are all pointing the finger. And so it's not my fault. It doesn't rest with me. It's an age old problem of this human tendency to latch on to a victim story, even if we don't admit it, don't see it, don't acknowledge it, but it clouds our vision. And it reminds me of what Jesus said when he said, see to it that the light within you is not darkness. And what he's saying when he talks to this group of of his disciples and Pharisees and so on in Luke 11 is that we can be easily deceived about what we think is light. And then, you know, is there some darkness involved as well? I think spiritually, what I've seen is that we all have this human tendency, but a prayer to Jesus that goes like this, Jesus, please show me what my part is in this. Like, show me my role, because chances are I've been telling myself a victim story and I'm not seeing the relationship really clearly. You know, when you hold on to a victim story, it's like putting on a pair of glasses that aren't yours. And all you see are blurry images. And I, and that's what a victim story does. And when I say victim too, I'm not talking about real toxic or destructive behavior. Like I'm not talking about a harmful marriage. Let's put that in a different category. But I'm talking about what most people deal with, which is their deep unhappiness where it's mutual. The conflict is mutual. You both say things you don't mean. You both do things you don't intend to do, but it's... It's unhappy. It's not harmful. Anyway, just praying, Jesus, please 
shine your light into my life and expose the darkness so that I can see it. And when you pray that kind of prayer and dig into God's word, you'll be surprised at what Jesus will actually show you. We're talking to Tony Newhoff today at SWS Radio, and she's a family law attorney in Canada. She's also an author. and She actually has a brand new book. It's called Before You Split. But we're talking about marriage because we all have conflict in our marriage. Every single person, regardless of how much money you have or don't have, regardless of what sort of medical conditions you have or don't have, we're all flawed people. We're all selfish. And when we can own that, we can work through a lot of things, huh, Tony? Absolutely. I mean, Carrie and I were in that place where we were stuck in this downward spiral, this vicious cycle of conflict that just seemed to go on and on and simmer underneath the surface and rear its ugly head every time one of us stepped on each other's toes. And I just want to let your listeners know that there's a way to get out of that place. Even when you feel like the love is gone you know, I, I don't know that I will ever be able to be in love with my spouse again. So it really feels like it's over. I can identify with those feelings. I'll say that Carrie and I reached that deep, dark place where we had all the red flags, all the red flags that John Gottman, the esteemed marriage researcher talks about. He runs the Gottman Institute. He talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse um, <laughs> being criticism and defensiveness and stonewalling and contempt. And Carrie and I didn't hear about those until we were almost like on the other side of dealing with our marriage problems. But we looked at that list and we went, oh dear, like check, 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 check. Okay. (laughs) So what do you do when you get to that place where you realize there is a stonewall here and I feel like my spouse isn't listening to me and I feel like I'm trying to do a lot of things, but you just know it is not moving and that wall is there. Uh, I think when you get to that place, particularly an impasse, just like you described, we got there too. and, And we had to pull out all the stops in the sense that we really needed to lean in because we realized at that point that yes, we could lose our marriage if we didn't take this seriously. It's not that we ever stopped our devotional life or, you know, listening to Jesus. It's just that sometimes the problems are deeper and bigger than you realize. And if you've gone through childhood trauma, which I had, and if you've grown up in a household that doesn't really acknowledge or deal with emotions, which many people have, you know, you grow up in a non-demonstrative family and emotions are stuff. And then that may mean that you're emotionally unprepared for marriage. So It means that you really need to dig into personal growth and spiritual growth. Listen to what pastors are saying in their sermons about, you know, whatever it has to do with forgiveness, for example, you know, take forgiveness seriously. If you're in a tough place, chances are there are piles of grievances between you. Dig into even your Enneagram, you know, and what does your Enneagram assessment tell you about the ways that you can grow personally and pursue those things. I firmly believe that God's word is powerful and effective, and it's it's helped me in so many ways in that growth process, but also marriage conferences and Christian counseling. You know, if you reach the place that we reached, we 
honestly needed help to be able to see our blind spots and start making progress. And so finding a Christian counselor who is well-credentialed, well-respected, also hopefully brings the light of Christ into the conversation was just hugely helpful for us. I know, because if we can make it about Jesus and make him the center of our marriage, we can reset all of our own selfishness in such a fresh new way, huh? (laughs) Absolutely, yes. Two things that really held Carrie and I and kept us going. One was even at our wedding day, we had Ecclesiastes 4.12 as one of our verses at our wedding. And it's a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And the idea underneath that was that there would be three of us in our marriage, three cords holding our marriage together. My bond to Carrie, Carrie's bond to me and Jesus would be the third strand. And there were times in our marriage when honestly it was Jesus, the third strand, the primary strand, um, (laughs) holding us together when Carrie and I were broken, disconnected, and didn't know which end was up. And then the other truth that I want people to lean into is what Paul describes as the incomparably great power that Christ offers us through the Holy Spirit when we accept him into our lives and decide to follow him. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, he talks about, he says that that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And it's that resurrection power, like Jesus does bring dead things back to life. And so that power is something to pray for, you know, something to search out. It's not like a magic wand that you can, (laughs) you can just wave and everything is better. No, it's a pursuit. It's a long healing pursuit in a steady direction. As Eugene Peterson would have said, a long obedience in the same direction, because, you know, whatever work God does in healing our hearts, it's deep, it's enduring. And it means that we follow Christ, we follow the path he followed. Jesus had to go through pain to get to the beautiful outcome on the other side. And that's true for us too. We can't wander around or circumvent or avoid walking through some pain ourselves if we want a beautiful outcome on the other side. So I I just want people to grasp on to that hope and ask for it and search for it, anticipate it when you pray for it. Thanks for downloading the SOS Radio Podcast. If you enjoy the discussion and want to help the podcast grow, you can make a $10 donation through sosradio.net or inside the SOS Radio app. Thanks for your generosity. It helps us experiment with new things and keep the discussions fresh.